Ladies and gentlemen, it is the most beautiful time of year. It is time for the tour. It's the morning or the afternoon or the evening, depending when you're listening to this and where in the world, of the biggest bike race in the world. Three weeks of carnage, mayhem, blokes pounding up hills. What's not to love? So today I've gotten on one of the great minds, Matthew Tonge of cycling and of podcasting, utter professional, and he's going to give us the five Aussies to watch out this year at the tour, because we've got 10 overall. Last year we only had two. This is a big win for Australia. Big win. So hold on to your hats. Let's get into it. Yeah, count the bikes. All right, we're back with one of the great cycling minds of Australia and also one of the best emerging podcasters we've got going around. We've got the beautiful and powerful Matthew Tonge. Thanks for coming on, mate. Oh, mate, you've uh, you've well and truly spoken me up there. I am neither a, uh, a fantastic cycling mind or one of the best up-and-coming podcasters, but I certainly try my hardest at both. So, yeah, thrilled to be on and um, looking forward to our, our next 30 minutes or so. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why he's the best. He's so humble. It's great. Um, so cycling goes on all year. Uh, Nuffies like you and me watch it all the time, have a good time. But the tour is different. The tour is the big daddy, commands global attention. And this year, we've got a strong Aussie contingent. Last year, we only had two riders. Um, one of them did really well. Good old mate Richie Port, the cruise line. <laughs> it's, uh, it, was, it was great to see Richie you know, get up and, and get onto that podium because, as we know, he's had some some real bad luck in the tour over the last few years and he's, mm. he's always been our biggest hope um, in the days following um, Cadell Evans. So he's always he's always been our, our promising hope and he's, he's had some unfortunate crashes and, and to see him get up on the podium last year was just amazing. And at that, got on the podium after a puncture on a gravel section. No bloody worries. Mate, you can't stop him. You the cannot human, stop him. The human cruise line, because he's a rich port, mate. Eh? Luxury <laughs> cruise. I love um, it. Absolutely. For, every, for everybody listening, I'm going to go through some shocking nicknames for everybody. So please keep that in mind. Um, so we're going to go to looking at the top five Aussies to watch this year from one of the great minds, Matthew Tonge. But before that... Um, the tour seems to mean something different to everyone who I've talked to about it. For me, I remember growing up watching it, seeing these kind of godlike people riding with all this gear on up hills, and I just it was like it was like superheroes who are real, you know. Mm. And so yeah. it it really gets me excited. What made you fall in love with the tour, Matt? It's it's funny because I actually got into cycling because of my dad so my dad was or still is a um, a keen cyclist and um with SBS obviously you have the the live tour that runs through the night and then SBS will run a highlights package which will either show in the morning or again at about 6 p.m at night um and I remember growing up one of my favorite things to do was sit down with dad and watch the cycling and it wasn't even because at that time I was a big cycling fan it was Mm. just because it was something that I enjoyed doing with my dad. And then as the years went on and I took a, a, a more of an interest in cycling as a sport and as a spectacle, the tour stands out. As you said, it's to, to the general punter, it's 
the one time a year that cycling matters. And then as you get more involved in cycling, you sort of realise what else goes into it. But I think those initial memories of the tour with Dad, um, sitting back 6pm at night, SBS, that's what really got me into it. Those late nights are beautiful, weren't they? The one time of year you could stay up till 2am and Dad wouldn't go crook at you. Mate, it, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a sight to behold. You've got me as a, a young punter trying to stay up, eyes slowly falling asleep, and then I've got to shake back up, you know, got to be awake. But, um, yeah, some of the best memories, that's for sure. Do you have an all-time goat who you associate with those early memories? Anyone who stands out? It's a good, good question. I think growing up, I was a big fan of Robbie McEwen. I loved yeah. the way he went about it. Um, and then there was some, some other cyclists who, you know, as, as I got older, I learned to, to really appreciate. And one of them was Matthew Heyman. Um, absolutely love the way he went about it. There's a good doco on Stan, I believe it is. Um, and just to see him win Paris-Brew Bay six weeks after breaking his elbow and collarbone. Um, yeah, absolutely love the way he went about it. So, so those two really inspired me. Um, and my cycling, I guess, fandom early on. Yeah, fantastic. My one's a bit left field, but I'm a big Fabian Cancellara man. Nice. The time trial beast. I remember watching one of the Olympics. I can't remember which one was, but absolutely flew out of nowhere just because he's a bloody fucking engine. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute machine. Absolute machine. Love a bit of Fabe. So we get to this year, 2021. Last year, the, the, the UCI World Tour was... In a, in a couple of licorice all sorts, but we're here now. Um, what are you most excited for this year? Moving into it, we're on the we're on the eve of the race. A couple of big storylines going. What's caught your eye? I think there's a a few things. So I guess from an Australian perspective, this is sort of the first time that we've had multiple riders who could challenge for the general classification, the yellow jersey, which I know we'll touch on. In a little bit, but I'm I'm very excited to see that contingent of Aussies really give that top ten a crack, which is something that we we haven't sort of seen this depth mm. um, of Australian riders be able to challenge that top level for a long time. Combine that with Caleb Ewan, who's arguably the best sprinter in the world, and Australia is sort of really poised to to give this tour a shake. But um, I'm a big Julian Alaphilippe fan. He is without a doubt my favourite cyclist um, in the pro peloton today. So. I'm very excited to see him, um, you know, ride with his his usual bazaars and and uh, hopefully snag a few stage wins. Bit of a pocket rocket, old mate Julian. I absolutely love the way he goes about it. You know, one of the things with cycling is, um, and, and it's probably one of the things that stops some people getting involved is you can sort of look at these people as superhuman. They're riding up these unbelievable climbs and they're just that much of a beast that they it looks like they're not trying but then you see Julian and he's rocking side to side you see him he's grunting he's gritting his teeth he's crying after stages with emotion so yeah just love the way he goes about it yeah you're not wrong there love a bit of Julian so let's get into this this top five you've got here you dropped a couple names then I'm excited to hear what you got for me so we're going to go through the top five Aussies to watch this year I think we've got 10 in total is that right Ten in total. So to go from only having two in last year's tour in Richie Port and Caleb Ewan to now having ten, um, as I said, it's a testament to the depth of Australian cycling and, and just how far 
we've come and, and how far we've got to go. Fantastic. All right, take away. Who you've got first up, cab off the rank? So first cab off the rank, how can we go past last year's third place, Richie Port? Um, so he's coming in in fine form to this year's tour. Um, he says that he'll be riding in support of Garant Thomas, but I I might think that he's got a little bit more than that. So he's coming off a win at the Criterium de Dauphiné, um, which was only a few weeks ago. And yeah, he's, he's, he looks poised to be a big hitter for, for Ineos this year. Mm. So Ineos have three or four blokes who can probably take it out in reality, don't they? They've definitely got four. So I think that, um, I mean, to, to the general public, it looks like they're going to go with um, Carapaz and Thomas as their leaders. But, um, yeah, it's it's hard to say until we see, until we get into sort of late week two, um, early week three, mm. that's when we're really going to know who's got the support of the team. Um, I think they'll know internally. It's just a matter of us figuring it out as fans. Yes, agree. Richie's going to give it hell this year. And what gives me hope for Richie having a good race is seeing Damiano Caruso come second in the Giro d'Italia. So his race leader crashes out. Damiano's a professional, been doing it for years. Super domestique, leading the way for everybody. But this time he got his run, similar to how Richie got a big run last year. Um, and I think there might be a bit of carnage this year. I can feel it in me, in me waters. You know. Yeah, I, I think that the way this um, this tour has been set up, there is going to be some definite carnage. There are some some stages that you look at, um, some finishes of certain stages, and yeah, I think that there's there's definitely going to be some carnage. Mm. Looking at the race profile, you know, all, all all the stages in total seems to be a fair bit different from other years. Yeah, I think I think from what I can tell from the profile is one of not necessarily a big criticism of the tour, but it, it's very different to the Giro where the Giro there is action from day one for the GC as a whole, whereas in the tour it tends to wait until midway through week two for the GC to really start sorting itself out, whereas this year there's real opportunity within the first week for if if they want to, to make a splash for GC riders to actually start cementing themselves and doing some damage to competitors. Yeah, fantastic. Look, I don't want to wish anything badly upon all the races, but I don't mind a bit of carnage. As a fan, certainly uh, you, you watch it and go, holy shit. Let me tell you, as a rider, it is the worst sound when you hear the screeching of a bike on the road up in front and you think, <laughs> shit, I've got about half a second here, otherwise I'm hitting the deck. <laughs> we want some of that nice, safe carnage. No golden exactly. retrievers running onto the road. No golden no, retrievers. Exactly. So, look, my uh, my awful nickname for Richie Port, I dropped it before. For every rider, everybody, I'm going to give a, a poor nickname. I used to be a marketing man, so this is this is my only skill in life. Is really, really bad nicknames. So Richie Port is the luxury cruise liner, you know, the cruise, because he's a rich port. He's a rich port down in Tassie. You know, you get your bloody Royal Caribbeans down there. Richie's going for it. (laughs) So come on the cruise line. So number two, we got Richie Port. Who we got up next? So up next, I've got a young man, 
and I say young man, he's actually the same age as I am, but Ben O'Connor. So mm. Ben O'Connor isn't a name that a lot of people will be familiar with. Um, he's a Perth boy, and he's now the GC rider for his team, um, AG2R. So he finished, I think it was stage 16 at the Giro d'Italia, he finished um, second, and then he went on to win the very next day, stage 17. So um, he's he's really got some form, but this is the first year where he's going to be the... Um, uh, lo and behold, he'll, he'll be the team leader. So really looking forward to him setting the tone um, and, and having a crack at that top 10. Um, I think it was 2018 where he was actually in the top 10 of the Juro and then and then went on to, to crash out, unfortunately. But Oof. he's shown promise and I think he can deliver this year. Fantastic. Ben O'Connor, the Terminator, eh? The, the Terminator. Terminator. Where's wow. the Terminator come from? Uh, it's Sarah O'Connor from Terminator. Isn't ah, it? That's, okay. that's the reach I went for. That's I'm, I'm sticking to it. Can the I Terminator? Love I love it. Good to hear a young fella getting a, getting the lead on a on a on a team. And we I haven't think had the, that much, have we? I think the way that he's gone about it has been sort of fantastic as well. So um, he has always been a highly rated rider, but he's never really cracked into that upper echelon. So he was selected, I believe, in the Australian development team, but was then actually left off um, final team and he had to return home to, to ride in the Australian Continental um, mm. uh, Australian Continental Tour in the National Road Series. So to find your way sort of European season into a grand to a team, to be the GC rider, it's a really, really good story. He's a fighter. He doesn't give up. Sounds similar to the Terminator, doesn't it? Huh? Huh? <laughs> so you, it wasn't such a big stretch. Yeah, go on. I'm happy with that. That's my win for the day. I've earned to be here for that one. Number three, who we got? So this is a rider that some people will probably be familiar with. Uh, a little bit older, Jack Haig. Absolutely love the way he goes around it. So he rides for Bahrain Victorious. Um, this will be his second tour, um, and lo and behold, he's another GC rider. Um, I think it's his sixth Grand Tour, and yeah, he's just been really consistent. So he rode for Mitchell and Scott, which was, uh, or which is one of the Australian teams, uh, the only Australian team in the Grand Tour at the moment. Um, and he's he's had some solid form. He's done that real apprenticeship-style work, riding for other riders, whether it was the Yates brothers or Esteban Chavez. Um, he's really played a support role in a lot of these races. Um, but I think that his results, whether it be seventh overall at Paris-Nice or um, fifth in the GC at the recent Criterium de Dauphine, he's, um, he's shown that he's got potential to give that top 10 a real shake. Right, so in supporting other people, he's been still making some good finishes and now he's up there. So, yeah, I think that's a really important thing for a lot of cyclists that are that are moving into those GC ranks is, is learning how to ride for others because you ride for others and you learn when to cover a break, when to let it go and, and to see him, you know, put in that work, especially to ride under the Yates brothers who are arguably sort of two of the best riders across the world. Um 
there's there's not too many other people you'd rather do an apprenticeship under. Yeah, and I suppose the ultimate example is Richie Port doing that for years. Gets exactly. on the podium last year. Off you go. Exactly, yeah. I, I think that Richie Port is the prime example of just how beneficial it can be to, to come up as a domestique and a support rider for someone else. Mm. So Jack Hague's 27 now. He's just starting to lead a team. You'd say, yep. what's the window for being a GC leader in a team? What What's the oh. window you got there usually? Because I'm looking at Richie Port. He's 36. He's still yeah. rocking. But then, and and on the flip side of that, you've got people like Kade Bogachar, who is, I believe, 22, 23, Ooh. and just coming off last year's win at the Tour de France. You've got um, so many young riders, Egan Banal. So you've got these young guns who, who can lead a, a tour. But I think for your peak physical performance in these sort of longer races, I think that window between... 28 to, to 34 is that mm. optimal time where you're really starting to hit your straps. So we might have the golden age of Jack Haig coming up, hey? Exactly. It could be. Well and truly could be. He's coming into that window for sure. All right. So Jack Haig is the human chocolate, Choco, in uh, in honour of, of the beautiful Haig's chocolate we got here in Melbourne CBD. So everybody get your chocolates out. Get your chocolates out for Jackie Boy. Get your chocolates out for Jackie Ch- Jackie Haig, the human choco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I'm going to keep doing this. We've got two more. Um, the nicknames are going to come thick and fast. I'm excited for Jack Haig, though. That's going to be a ripper. Good to have someone in it who's an up-and-coming young, young gun, underdog. You never know what could happen in these races. You mentioned Tade, exactly. Tade Pogachar. I don't think I've ever been so scared of a cyclist in my life. Oh, mate, the way he goes about it is oh. incredible. And I, oh. I, I'm filthy that Bernal isn't riding yeah. at this year's tour because obviously he was in he was in last year's tour, had to abandon with back issues, but I would love to see um, Roglic, Carapaz, Pogacar, um, Bernal. I'd love to see these big dogs go at it all at 100%. Oh, you know, yeah. it's it's coming down to the queen stage of the tour, and who who's got the most, who can give the most, who's going to uh, take it out. I would love to see that. In saying that, still very much looking forward to to this year's battle. Yeah, you mentioned a couple of young guns there, and one thing I've been thinking on, and maybe we'll do an episode in a couple of days on this once the race is up and going. But we seem to have a bit of a changing of the guards of of the big dogs in the races at the moment. You know, we've got these young guns, Pogachar. Rog- Roglic, Carapaz, you know, buddy um, Ivanapol, all coming up. And, you know, the old fellas are all, you know, mid-30s, still running well, but, geez, got a nice era coming up. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very much looking forward to the next five to ten years of cycling. So we've seen um, Team Sky, now Team Ineos, dominate um, the cycling world for the last however many years with Chris Froome, um, Thomas, we've seen these big dogs really at the mm. peak. Mm. Now we're seeing the depth of young cyclists coming through. And you go into any race and there's no longer that lo and behold clear favourite. There is a number of favourites, many of whom are under that 25-year-old mark, apart from Roglic, who's a little bit older. But for the most part, you've got these young guns who are just 
yeah, it's going to be an exciting year for cycling. Yeah, fantastic. All right, number four, let's go. Who you got for us? All righty, so I'm going to move away from the GC riders, going to move into some of the sprinters and stage winners. Ooh. So I'm very excited to see this man back in the tour, Michael Matthews. Um, he's returned to Team Bike Exchange, so a bit of a, a homecoming, if you will. Um, he was at Team Sunweb and was left off um, last year's tour, which was a Oof. very controversial decision at the time. Um, he started five tours, won three stages, and even took the green jersey in 2017. So I'm really excited to see him come back, that sort of coming home tour. Um, any of the, the you know, he'll be hunting stage wins in any of those stages with sort of the medium mountain stages or, or a lumpier sprint. You can't count him out. Yeah. The old faithful Michael, Michael Matthews. Would you say it's a bit of a revenge tour for Mickey? I definitely would. I, I really would. I, From all accounts, he was not happy with the decision to be left off the Sunweb team, and I completely side with him on that. I don't think he should have been left off. Um, I'm very much excited to see him in this year's tour, and, yeah, I, I'm picking at least one stage win. I'm going to I'm going to say Ooh. that now. I think I think that he'll he'll pick up one. Just the one. Look, they Just say the his don't nickname want to get too ahead of myself. Yeah, no, we don't want that, do we? They say his nickname is Bling. Yep, that's certainly right. I can't think of anything to do with Michael Matthews. It's such a it's such a lovely c- common name. <laughs> Nothing's coming to me. Nah, We're going to stick with um, Bling. Yeah, we'll stick with Bling. I was going to say there's there's not too much common about um, Michael Matthews. He he grew up in his early days, which is where he he um, earned the nickname Bling. Very much a fan of the uh, the fancy jewelry and whatnot. Ooh. I think he's grown out of that a little bit, but certainly didn't mind a uh, a fancy piece of jewelry back in the day. He doesn't mind a bit of bedazzling, does he? Nah, certainly not. Certainly not. Hope we see some uh, bedazzling at some finish lines. Wouldn't that be good, huh? Hey, would be absolutely beautiful. God, Mickey. All right, number five. Who you got rounding us out, Matt? So to round us out, how could we go past the best sprinter in the world, Caleb Ewan, the big riding for Team Lotto Sedal? Um, this will be his third tour. And if you want to talk about stage wins, this man has won five of them. Two in 2019, three last year, and I'm going to say a fair few more this year. Um, mm. I wouldn't be surprised if he takes home the green jersey. He'll mm. be very much contending for it, which is what we've heard out of his camp. Um, his season goal coming into this year was to win a stage at each of the 2021 Grand Tours. So he's already nailed two stages at the Giro. Um, I think he's going to get a few more at the tour. Um, and then it's just the Velta left. And, yeah, it would be a massive feat if he could get that done. But mm. I don't I don't think that's uh, beyond him. I reckon he can do it. Those powerful pistons just pump, don't they? Oh, if, if you want to see cycling, the pinnacle of sprinting, look at Caleb Ewan. Look at him. 100 metres out, the acceleration and his ability to find space where space doesn't exist, it is amazing. It's it's something, it's a sight to behold, that's for sure. The human shadow, mate, the human shadow. 
Exactly. That's the one. <laughs> so he's going for the green jersey. He has a good chance of getting it. He's in form. He's won a couple stages at the Giro. Yep. Who's he up against in terms of the green jersey? Who's he got coming at him? Oh, so it it won't be an easy, um, I guess, going for, for Caleb. So he's going up against who many would consider the greatest or one of the greatest, Peter Sagan. Mm. Um, I know Sagan is getting older, but you can never count him out. And he has shown in recent months that his form is as good as ever. Mm. Um there are a number of sprinters who are coming into this race, but I'm I'm keen to see Mark Cavendish. So for those who don't know Mark Cavendish, he's 36, has sort of come back from the dead in a way where people counted him out and he has made his way back with my favourite team, Deconic Quickstep. So to see him come back, um, I'm really looking forward to, to watching him. But yeah, wins will not come easy for Caleb. I just think that he's a class of his own, and I think he's capable of it. Where's Mark Cavendish, the catfish, come from? Where's he Where's he been this whole time? Because he was on top of the world at one stage. He was on top of the world. So he was one of the best sprinters in the world. Um, and then age seemed like it caught up to him. But much like his uh, contemporary Andre Greipel, who I think is 38, maybe 30, I think, yeah, 38, um, he's in the tour this year as well, and Jeez. you just can't seem to to count them out. They continue to prove they're in top level form. So, yeah, to see to see those old two go up against Caleb Ewan, who's ten years, if not younger, um, uh, about ten years younger than them, it's uh, it's exciting. Jeez, I'm a bit worried about the experience he's up against. Nothing against Caleb, but these old veterans, they know how to sprint. They've been doing it for decades. And the thing is, they might not have the top-end power or speed of a younger rider like Caleb, but you can bet your bottom dollar that they know where to put themselves. So, yeah, it's it's going to be exciting to see that that raw power versus the experience. Fantastic. It's good to have yeah. a sprinter that you're following because it makes every race interesting. Exactly. <laughs> Even exactly. the boring and ones. <laughs> before we before we move on, I know we said we'd only profile five, but there is one Oof. that I want to, you know, give a special shout out to. There's um, a wild card. A wild card, and his name is Luke Durbridge. So the nickname Turbo Durbo. Turbo um, Durbo. He is, he is what we call a super domestique in the way that he just battles himself for someone else. Um, this is actually going to be the first year where he is the road captain, um, and he's basically just in charge of making sure all other riders are where they need to be. Um, in the past, he's really earned his mantle for being one of the do- best domestiques in the world where he will just bury himself all day for the rider that Oof. he is protecting. And um, by all accounts, a fantastic bloke. So, yeah, wanted to give it a little shout-out to Turbo Derba. Well, let's stay on Turbo Durbo a bit. So he's Bike Team Exchange. He's 30 yep. years old. So he'll be yep. the super domestique for old mate Lucas Hamilton. Is that correct? So he will be, as the road captain, will be in charge of protecting Hamilton in the peloton, delivering him to mm. um, 
the bottom of the climbs. He is not a fantastic climber. Um, not sure how much Turbo Dervo weighs, but it is definitely significantly more than your uh, your average climbing cyclist. So he's much more of a powerhouse than he is a mountain goat, but will be definitely in charge of making sure that his team is in the right position to, to deliver their man to the to the top. All right, Turbo Durbo is a bit of a fridge, is he? Oh, well and truly. Well and truly. Just fridge love by, the way he goes about it. Fridge by cycling standards. If he exactly. was next to me, yeah. uh, you, he wouldn't be very fridgy. Unfortunately, I'm built like a brick shithouse. But <laughs> cycling standards, big fridge. Exactly. That's the one. All right, Matt, to round this out, I might throw a few quick fires at you just so we get to know these Australian riders more. Yep. Who would be your pick for the best Australian climber right now? Ooh, good question. I don't think you can still go past Richie Port. I think yeah. that his recent form has shown that, um, especially in Dauphiné. I think that his form there really showed that. I think that if anyone wants to see what pure climbing looks like, jump on YouTube, jump on Tour Down Under, Wollonga Hill, and watch the way that he just rides away from his uh, contemporaries. I know that a lot of those European riders come across here, that's sort of their pre-season, but still to see the way Richie can just separate himself from the pack, um, I still don't think he can go past him. Fantastic. All those years at Mount Wellington in Tassie, hey? Coming in handy. Exactly. So we've got Richie Port. He's the one to look at in the mountains. I mean, as always, we talk about carnage, and carnage happens in the mountains in this tour, doesn't it? So can you expect if Richie has a crack at it, the mountains might be where he separates himself? I think we will know more about Richie's position late week two. Um, I, I just have this suspicion that maybe Thomas isn't at that level needed to... Um, lead a tour team. I think that Carapaz is undoubtedly one of the main options that they'll use. But yeah, I think that Port, if it comes into those later stages and he's still in the top 10, whatever it may be, I think he can yeah really separate himself in those, those climbing stages. Yeah, fantastic. There's nothing like a big mountain, you know, cycling <laughs> or not, just a big mountain. It's, it's just good. Yeah, and that's the thing. You, you've you got your bike, you've got the climb, you're doing the exact same gradient. It's who can do this faster. And I'll be sitting on the couch climbing through a few things in my fridge, I reckon, all night. Exactly. Yeah. Join the couch peloton. The couch peloton, get on it, and get on SBS's coverage, some of the great coverage I've ever seen in my life. I don't know how they do it so well. Undoubtedly, I, I, would, I would say this, and I'm passionate about this, I think that across all sports... Matthew Keenan, Robin McEwen, and Bridie O'Donnell as a trio are, the, in my opinion, the best, but I don't think you could argue with top five across any sport. Um, and if you don't believe me, just listen to them for one stage. I think that the way they bounce off each other and their dynamic and their ability to convey the technical elements of the tour to the general punter, but also to the people that follow cycling as a sport, I think it's, yeah, amazing. I think we've got two more points to get to. First off, I think uh, you might be able to give yourself a bit of a plug here because you have interviewed Cycling Royalty recently, haven't you? I I have. So I got the chance to sit down with Mike Tomolaris. So he is pretty much 
um, the the kingpin of the SBS uh, cycling world. He's been there for poor oh, twenty five years, I think. Um, I think he's. Th- I think this might be his twenty sixth tour. I could be wrong there, but had a chance to sit down with him on Chew the Fat podcast, where we got to to go through his memories of of cycling, his favourite moments, and then talk about the mental health element. So he's a very big advocate of um, promoting positive mental health. So, yeah, if you if you get a chance to listen to that, it's, a, it's worth a listen, I would say. Fantastic. Listeners at home, make sure to get on that. It's a ripper. Get on the Chew the Fat podcast. It is also a ripper. And just before we get out, who's your pick to take out the whole race? Who you got? I am a... Big, well, okay. Who do I? Who does my heart? Who does my head say? And who does my heart say? Two different things. My heart wants this to be the romantic time where Julian Alaphilippe comes Ooh. from nowhere and holds on to that yellow jersey. 2019 was one of the best tours I've ever watched. Seeing him just continually defy the odds and hold on to yellow. Um, I would love to see that happen. I don't think he's he's going to be capable of doing it. I think it's going to go to Primoz Roglic. You reckon Primoz is going to get up? Yep. I, I think he was uh, very unlucky last year. Insanely good ride by Pogacar, but I just think that the uh, the experience that he's gained over the last 12 months is is invaluable on Roglic. So, yeah, I think he's going to get up. Talk about a revenge tour for Roglic in oh. front all the way and then this young buck pips him at the line. I would be fuming. Yeah, and and I think that I think that we're going to see that this year. I don't think Ooh. they're going to leave it to chance this time. Ooh. They say consistency is Roglic's big issue. In that, you know, he always finds a way to crash out or die at some stage during a race. Do you reckon that revenge is going to be enough to to make him just fly through the whole thing? I think I think that those experiences. What I was touching on earlier, I think that they're going to hold him in good stead. So. After the tour, um, he went away and he had some big misses, um, but also had some big wins. So I think that he's he's hitting form at the right time, and I think we're going to see um, the best version of Primoz that we've ever seen. Good. Interesting. Right. Now, who's your heart? So your heart's Julian. Your head's Roglic. Yep. My heart's Julian. I, I would just love to see that, and I, I'm sure the uh, – the French nation would love to see one of their own win the tour as well. Gosh, wouldn't that be good? My heart's firmly on Choco for many reasons. I just love a good Chocky, but also wouldn't mind a young Aussie getting up, underdog, always a real good narrative. My head my head can't go past Pogacar. I'm wary of backing someone who won last year. Ne- never really a good idea when you look at the history books, at least recently. You know, see Egan Bernal going down with the back. You know, but if not, old mate today, I'm back in Richard Carapaz. I mm, reckon he's yep. he's hitting form, he's getting experience, he's got young legs still. I reckon he can take out the big dance. Yeah, and and he's shown that he can win these big races, um, having won the Giro before. So yeah, he, I, I think he's being underrated coming into this. I think a lot of the talk has been on that Roglic versus Pogacar battle. I think that a lot of people are underestimating Carapaz um, and underestimating a lot of people in the top 10. So while while the battle between Roglic and Pogacar will be good, 
there are certainly many others in that top 10 who can give it a real shake. Fantastic. That's a good way to go out, mate. You should do this for a living. God, how's that for a plug? <laughs> I, I wish, mate. I wish. God, wouldn't that be the dream? Maybe one day. Thanks for joining day, me, mate. Matt. This has been a ripper. Um, everybody get on the tour, get on the couch Peloton. It starts three weeks of pure evening entertainment, you know. Get your bag of chips. Get your your French-style food. Uh, i got no idea what they are. Maybe a, a croissant, mate, a croissant. <laughs> get on the, um, the taste of the tour. Get a bit nibbly, and we'll be right. Thanks for coming on, Matt. Uh, we'll talk no worries, soon. No mate. Hey. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I've loved it.